Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. to Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter number seven. Ecclesiastes chapter number seven. We are continuing with our series of Ecclesiastes. We had started the beginning part of this series with 13 lessons earlier this year. And now we are finishing, going to continue with the rest of Ecclesiastes and finishing this off. And we find our way to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter number seven. Ecclesiastes in chapter number seven. If you are remember, there are two key phrases found throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. These phrases are vanity of vanity. The word vanity means empty, so empty, empty. And the other phrase that is used throughout the book of Ecclesiastes is under the sun. The phrase under the sun carries the idea without regard to God. So when you put them together, you see that living life without regard to God it leads to just empty life, vanity of vanity, empty, empty. Solomon is an old man. He is looking back at his life. In the last 10, 15 years of his life, he has lived his life without regard to God, without caring about God, thinking about God, allowing God into his thoughts. And as he takes an honest look at his life, he says, it's empty. It's empty. With that theme going on, we can see another part of emptiness and what he tried to do to fulfill and put something to fulfill that emptiness in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter number seven. Ecclesiastes chapter seven, and notice with me if you don't mind, in verse number 20. Ecclesiastes chapter seven and verse 20. For there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Also, Take no heed unto all words that are spoken, lest thou hear thy servant curse thee. For oft times also thine own heart knoweth that thou thyself have cursed others. All this I have proved by wisdom. I said, I will be wise, but it was be far from me. That which is afar off and exceeding deep, who can find out? I applied my heart to know and to search and to seek out wisdom and the reason of things and to know the wickedness of folly, even of foolishness and madness. And I found more bitter than death, the woman whose heart is snares and nets and her hands are as bands who pleaseth, whoso pleaseth God shall escape her, but sinner shall be taken by her. Behold, this I have found, saith the preacher, counting one by one to find out the account, which yet my soul seeketh, but I found not. One man among a thousand have I found, but a woman among all those have I not found. Lo, this only have I found, that God hath made man upright." but they that sought out many inventions. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, mark the great warning that we find in the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter number seven. Ecclesiastes chapter number seven, and notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse 26, where he says, more bitter than death. 
more bitter than death. Now Solomon being the wisest man who ever lived, being a great observer, being someone who who was able to study so many things out, he gives a conclusion of this that there is something more bitter than death. That's a powerful phrase. There is something more bitter than death. Now, let's take a pause. For Christians, death is not a bitter thing at all. For Christians, death is just passing from this, from death unto life, to passing to the idea that we get to see the Lord in person and that we get to be with him forever. And that's for us is not a bitter thing. It is something that we as Christians, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, we don't have to fear death. But remember that the book of Ecclesiastes is not looking at it from a saved point of view or a believer's point of view. It's taking a look at life from a point of view of without regard to God. So those who don't have God in their equations in their life, death is a very bitter thing. Death is a thing where they don't want to face. Death is something they don't want to deal with. There is something even more bitter than death. What is it? It's the idea of adultery. This is the phrase right here is dealing with the idea of adultery. Remember that Ecclesiastes chapter 27 verses 20 and 29 serve as bookends for this passage. Notice with me if you don't mind in verse 20. For there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Remember, this is a common idea. All of us are sinners. Every single one of us have sinned to come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is not a just man on the earth that doeth good. We understand this right away. There's none of us that are good. Notice in verse 29. Lo, this only have I found that God hath made man upright. But there are many that have sought out many inventions. So verse 29, we understand this idea that it is only God that makes man right. That we can't make ourselves right. That we're all sinners and because of our sins, we owe God a great price. However, it is God that provided a way of salvation. And that is through a son, Jesus Christ. And that in order to receive this forgiveness, we must accept God's promises and not come up with our other inventions. The idea of inventions here is our own thoughts, our own plans, our other ways. That we're thankful that God has made a plan. That we have to recognize that we're all sinners. And because of our sin that we owe God a great debt. But God provided a way out of that debt. And we have to accept that for ourselves. Not any other plan. We have to accept this for ourselves. That we're thankful that God can provide meaning and purpose in our life. But when we take our life outside of the context of God. And we take God out of the equation. We know that we become very vulnerable. If you don't mind, let's walk through this passage and just explore a couple different things here. And let's just understand this passage. The first of all, let's see the search. The search. Notice with me in verse 23. It says, For all this I have proved by wisdom. That word prove is a great word. It means to show with evidence. To have evidence to show the conclusion was correct. I have proved by wisdom. What has he proved? 
He says, all this I prove by wisdom. I said, I will be wise, but it was far from me. That which is far off and exceedingly deep, who can find out? Notice he's searching for something. Verse 25, I applied my heart to know and to search and to seek out wisdom and the reason of things, to know wickedness of folly, even the foolishness of madness. He says, I've been trying to find all the answers out. I want to know everything. I want to know every dark secret. I want to know everything. I've given my heart, my life to find everything. I sought it out. I purposed on it. Remember that Solomon just didn't study animals. He became a zoologist. He just didn't study plants. He became a botanist. He was a scientist in his own right. He was a great builder. He was someone who knew how to search things out. And he was searching for something. What is he searching for? What is it that he's looking for? Well, all of us are searching for something. Every single person who lives out there is searching for something. What are they searching for? They're searching for something to fulfill this void that's in everyone's life who doesn't know God as their savior. Everyone is, if you could forgive the cliche, is born with a God-sized hole in them. Everyone is looking for something to fulfill that void. Everyone is looking for something to (laughs) fill that emptiness that every person exists, has. Everyone's searching for meaning of life. Everyone's searching for purpose. Everyone's searching for something to fulfill, for something to matter. And when you have God out of the equation, it doesn't matter what it is, it will not be fulfilled. Let me give an example. My wife is here. My wife gives a testimony and uh, it sounds kind of awful, but she says in our marriage, she tried to have me fulfill her life, her purpose, her whatever else. She's married to me, found a husband. Great. And now with that, she's tried, maybe my husband will fulfill everything that I want. And she found out somewhere along the way that as great and wonderful as I am, I didn't fulfill everything she had. I didn't fulfill all of her spiritual needs. Didn't fulfill all of her mental needs. I didn't fulfill everything. There were still things that were missing. And with that, if someone tries to put their purpose, their thing, if I could just have this person and know this person, and they do everything they can to have that person fulfill their life, and then they still feel empty, that just makes an emptiness feel even more empty. I cannot fulfill all of our needs. Now that's kind of humbling to say, and it kind of sounds awful. Aren't you a pastor's wife? Aren't you a pastor? You can't satisfy everything. No, I can't because I'm not God. She needs something more than what a man can provide. Same thing with the other way around. My wife is the greatest wife ever. I believe it wholeheartedly. But she cannot fulfill all of my needs, all of my spiritual needs, all my mental needs. We're great partners. We work well together. I can't imagine someone else who could work with me like she can. I'm very hard to work with. (laughs) But yet she doesn't fulfill all of my needs. Sometimes a mother will say, well, listen, I'll have children and my children will become my life and they'll fulfill every nook and every cranny. And it may seem like it for a little while, but you know, there's going to be a time where the kids leave. Then what do you have left? 
Your children cannot fulfill all of your needs. They can give you purpose for a while, and what a great purpose it is to raise children, but they cannot fulfill your needs. Everyone's searching for something. Some people say, well, then I found a job. My job fulfills all of my purpose. It satisfies me. It fills everything. And you'll find that it does not. It may feel like that at the beginning, but your job will let you down. It will fail you. And then what do you have? That emptiness will seem to be more empty because you thought you found purpose. You thought you found something that satisfied and it did not. Everyone is searching. We're thankful that we do have an answer. Now, with those who've taken God out of the equation, they're not going to find anything. They can search in every hollow, every nook, every cranny. And that's what Solomon was doing. I put through the search. I've looked for wisdom. I've looked for every knowledge. I looked for everything. I even tried foolishness. I tried to see if foolishness would fill me. How many people turn to drugs and alcohol? Because they're trying to do something with that emptiness. If I could get at least the emptiness not to bother me, then I could survive. And they've tried to fulfill that need. Solomon actually tried to fulfill that emptiness with women. A thousand wives. And he found fairly quickly that that didn't satisfy, fill the void. I meant, could you imagine trying to keep a thousand women uh, trying to keep them from fighting each other and pulling each other's hair out. And I mean, ladies don't get along when it comes to that type of stuff. A thousand of them. It caused more problems. Than... What's even more amazing, we were talking in evening school, is that out of the thousand women and all thousand wives that he had, he was only able to have one son. <laughs> one son, that's all he got out of it, was one son. Those things... <laughs> He couldn't find satisfaction in even trying to get as many wives. He tried foolishness. He tried wisdom. He tried science. He tried knowledge. Those things, even all of them put together, cannot, cannot fulfill that void. Only God can do that. Even Christians who truly accept that Christ is their Savior... When they live their life without regard to God, and Christians can live their life not thinking about God, they're going to find that there's an emptiness. They can't stand to be alone. They can't stand the quiet. Sometimes they can't even stand being around people because it reminds them of how lonely they are and how distant they are. But when God is your life, he fulfills you in ways you couldn't even imagine. He satisfies you in ways that no one else ever could. But remember, this whole thing is that he's lived his life without regard to God, without God part of the equation. And everything that he has searched for, everything that he has tried to fulfill, and he had access to it all, riches did not satisfy Position did not satisfy. Knowledge didn't satisfy. Wisdom didn't satisfy. Women didn't satisfy. Foolishness didn't satisfy. Folly didn't satisfy. There's only one thing that satisfies, and that is a personal, intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ of following after him. But he had a search. He was looking for something, and he couldn't find it. Which brings us to the warning here, not only the search, but we see the snare, 
the snare. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number 26. I find more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets and her hands as bands. Notice this. Here is the snare. What is the snare? This woman, this man who engages in adulterous relationship has walked into a snare. Notice this. We know that in the Bible, there is a principle of the strange woman. This strange doesn't mean that she looks funny or her face is all Picassoed up. That one eye is like bulging and up and the other one's narrow and down. It's not the idea that she looks weird. The idea of strange in the Bible is someone that doesn't belong to you. And that if we go chasing after someone that doesn't belong to us, first of all, she will not satisfy. But what she will be is a snare, a snare. What do you mean by a snare? All right. We know guys have an ego. By the way, ladies do too. And anyone who enters in this type of relationship always start out with this mindset, I can handle it. I've got this. I can enter into this, get what I want, and there's no consequences. Every one of them go into that trap thinking they are fine. And they are not. She becomes a snare. She entraps him. By the way, it goes the other way. We're talking about the idea of a, of a adulterous relationship on both ends. Solomon's a man writing from his perspective. And so he says, listen, she's a snare. He would know he's experienced this over and over and over. She doesn't satisfy. It causes more problems. That's what it's worth. And now he's entangled with something they cannot easily get out of. And it left scars and it burned and it left him more empty than ever. You could think that that moment of pleasure is going to fulfill everything. But that moment fades so quickly. By the way, this goes beyond just a physical relationship. Today we have a pornography problem. You know what pornography tells you? You got this. I can handle this. It's a victimless crime. It doesn't affect anyone else. It certainly does. And the same effect, it ensnares, it traps, and it has consequences. And it leaves a person more empty than what they were to start off with. (laughs) I was dealing with someone in counseling not too long ago, not here, whatever else, and working with them. And they were admitting that they were having an emotional affair with another lady. And he said, it affected my marriage just as real as if I was having a real affair. (coughs) Why? Because (laughs) love and affection should belong to that one person. And if I bring love and affection and take from someone that it belongs to and brings to someone else, that's adultery. Whether the physical act is done or whether it's just a mental act, it's still adultery. And it ensnares and it has consequences more than you ever think. And again, every person who begins pornography, adultery, spiritual adultery, physical adultery, mental adultery, all of those things, they all start off, I can handle it. I can do this. I can get away with it. There's not going to be any consequences. 
Or maybe they're not even thinking about consequences. They just know that they're empty and they have to fill it. Let's fill it with this. And it causes all kinds of issues and consequences. There is a snare. Notice more description here. I find more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets. Her hands are as bands. So what happens, the bands are like handcuffs. They're, they're, they're chains that hook up onto you. That, listen, I can, I can enter into this and I can get out of it whenever I want. No, you can't. Because there's an emotional entanglement. And if you could forgive the thing, women be crazy. Smile, it's all right. By the way, guys be crazy too. There's no such thing as we'll do this and then we can leave whenever we want. There's always going to be entanglements. There's always going to be issues. There's always going to be jealousy. And you're still left with this void that is more apparent than ever and all of these consequences hanging off with you. No wonder Solomon, who's giving an honest view of life, says more bitter than death. More bitter than death. Now, whereas it's speaking about this woman here, may I tell you that nothing can make a man rise higher than having a good woman by his side who is building him up, who's encouraging him, who's lifting him up, who's trying to help him to be accomplished what God has given him to do. And yet there's many men who were once honorable, who were once decent, who were once successful, who were brought down low because they sought after something they thought would be more fun, but ended up more bitter than death. We know that Solomon took much time to write about this in Proverbs, where it speaks about the strange woman. There are several important passages. We've covered them before in our Proverbs passages, in our Proverbs messages. But this is a dangerous thing. It's a fire that will burn. It leaves scars that won't be healed. By the way, you want to talk about women be crazy, men be crazy. Men do not accept adultery well if their spouse to. The Bible speaks about that. This is one thing that man can't get over. He needs God's help because he can't get over on his own. There's just something plugged into a man about jealousy that it just, he doesn't do well with it. You said it's not right. I know the whole thing's not right. But that's just how God has programmed a man. He does, not, he does not take that well. And it leaves scars and bitterness. And that gaping emptiness is more apparent, more empty, and a deeper well than ever before. There's a great snare. But also notice there's a great safety. Notice in that same verse, verse 26. And I find more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets. Her hands are as bands. Whoso pleaseth God shall escape from her, but the sinner shall be taken from her. Notice this word escape. How do we escape the snare of adultery? Whosoever pleaseth God shall escape from her. Now, you say, well, wait a second. I've heard about preachers falling. I hear preachers who have run away with their secretaries and their piano players and whatnot. Yeah, that's unfortunate. The idea is, is not who's saved. You're, 
free from this. It's whoever is pleasing to God, meaning that their hearts are towards God. Before anyone ever has a public fall, it starts with a private failing. Anybody who is a Christian who decides to commit adultery, it started because they haven't been in their Bible. It started because they haven't been close to God. It started because they were in the flesh. Remember, any one of us is capable of anything at any time when we're in the flesh. Thus, going back to my warnings before Sunday school started, that when we're in the flesh, because we're weak, we're tired, because we're hurt physically or emotionally, when we're hurting, it is much easier to give into the flesh. And when we give in the flesh, it is currently because we're looking at our flesh and we're not looking at God. And as long as we're looking in the flesh, we are easy to crave. For example, we live in America, the land of plenty, the land of uh, consumers, right? So we have something called comfort food. You know what comfort food is? My flesh is hurting, so let me give something to my flesh. Let me give into it to make it feel better. By the way, I like comfort food too. We're just acknowledging that's what we're doing is that we're giving into the flesh and giving the flesh attention. Think about, be honest now. I think, let's be honest. Solomon was honest. When we're hurting, we could go to our refrigerator. We just went shopping and look at all of our stuff and none of it satisfies. We look at all of it. Instead, we want to go to Burger King, McDonald's. We want to go to our favorite thing. Mashed potatoes and gravy is my great comfort food. There's not great mashed potatoes and gravy found up here except for like pizza ranch or something. You know, I had to wait for my wife to make me mashed potatoes and gravy to get my comfort. But you understand, we've all been there. We look at our refrigerator. What do you want? I don't know. It could be full to the brim. I don't know. Nothing sounds good. I don't have anything to eat. That's a small thing of our flesh. And it overrules all sense. There's good food right there. And it doesn't sound appealing and enticing because we're in our flesh. We're not allowing it to satisfy. We're feed our flesh. You allow your flesh to be in charge. You can even look at a great wife and say, well, she doesn't satisfy. Which, by the way, is a true statement because God's the one who has to satisfy all my needs. But he has provided her in my life to be a companion, to be a helpmeet. But I could get in the flesh and look and say, well, she doesn't satisfy. Maybe something else will. That something else will not. When we get in the flesh, we get in the place of very vulnerability where we allow all kinds of things to go in without regard to God. What are we doing during those times? We're trying to fill that emptiness and void that only God can fill. It is only when we're looking at God and moving towards him, put our eyes on him, that we're satisfied and everything's filled. Now we don't have to worry about what's in the refrigerator. But we allow ourselves to be in the flesh so much. And you get used to comfort fooding yourself so much that you start to say, well, I need a comfort food in other areas in my life too. And it's easy to get into pornography, to alcohol, to drugs, to whatever else, to doing things just to try to make yourself feel better. That's how dangerous the flesh is. What is the safety net? Learning to keep our eyes on God and walking with him. Being with him, putting our minds on him, 
That's what satisfies. When we're in the flesh, the best thing we could do is to get our eyes on the Lord and start marching off of Him. We'll find that things start satisfying us more once again because He's our fulfillment. This is a great danger of our flesh. Our flesh leaves us vulnerable. And any one of us is capable of anything at any time. When we've allowed ourselves in the flesh. This is why I get worried when people miss church services. And they start missing a lot of church services. They are leaving themselves vulnerable to attack. Vulnerable for their flesh to override what they want and good common sense. This is why I get worried when people haven't been in their Bibles in a while. They have left themselves open and they're capable of anything at any time. They start making foolish decisions because maybe this will help me. Maybe if I buy this, maybe if I do this, we leave ourselves vulnerable. This is why we have to be in the Bible on a daily basis. This is why me as your pastor has to be in the Bible on a daily basis. We encourage people to pray for your pastor at least once a day, six o'clock in the morning or six o'clock in the afternoon. Take a pick, but pray for your pastor. Make it your time where you pray for your pastor. What do I pray for? I pray that my pastor is in his Bible reading. Why isn't, shouldn't he be in his Bible? Yes, I should. But you know, if I'm out of my Bible, I'm capable of anything at any time. I'm in a position, if you could forgive the emphasis, uh, I'm in a position that if I fall, I'm going to hurt a lot of people. A lot of people will be hurt in their Christian walk. A lot of people will be hurt in some of the counsel that I've given him. There's a lot of influence that God has given, not just in this local church, but with all the police officers I serve, all the preachers that I work with, the kids at camp, the kid, you know, there's so many people that are looking at me. And if I fall, if I allow myself a moment of weakness and I follow through with it, that not only is it not going to satisfy, but it is going to burn and hurt so many other people. By the way, you are not immune either. If you were to disappear from our church services, you would hurt people. Hopefully they're spiritual enough that they wouldn't fall in their Christian life because you fell, but you would be missed and you would be hurt. Every time someone leaves this church, we're hurt. It affects us. It's <laughs> and what happened? Was it because they're an evil person? No. They stopped reading their Bible. They allowed themselves to have their flesh to take over. And now all because they're trying to fulfill something and those things don't satisfy. We need to be in the Bible for ourselves. We need to be in our personal walk with, we need to be in our prayer life for ourselves. We need to be talking with God. The, the most, the greatest thing you could do on a daily basis is to be in the word of God for yourself. Why? Because we have to be keeping our eyes on him because any one of us is capable of anything at any time. You said, even you, preacher? Yes, even me. I'm capable of anything at any time. You let me be in my flesh, and my flesh can override common sense. And if I'm vulnerable, you are vulnerable. More bitter than death. What is the safety? Keep close to the Lord. 
keep close to him and allow him to be your satisfaction. Let him be your fulfillment. Let him be your all in all. When we say Jesus is our sufficiency, we're not just saying, well, Jesus is all we need because that's all we have. It also carries the idea that he is all I need and he makes everything worth it. He's not the backup plan. He is the plan. Any one of us capable of anything at any time. Our flesh is more dangerous than what you expect. Every single one of us walk into that snare saying, I've got this. It's not a big deal. And it is. It is. So the question is, dear friend, how's your Bible reading? How's your personal walk with the Lord? If not, may I beg you, be in the Bible for yourself. Have your prayer time for yourself. Let God be your satisfaction and he can fulfill you more than anything, any person, any job, any position. Let him be your all in all. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.